Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Catch Up with Kyra Touch. I'm your host, Dr. Brian Blask. Today, I have a return guest. Dr. Mark Student is back. He's in the hot seat today to talk to me about what documentation to use for different classes of patients, such as personal injury, workers' compensation, Medicare, and managed care. Dr. Mark's been in practice since 1981, teaches both chiropractic and medical academia, is a national lecturer, and consults doctors of chiropractic in 49 states. I gave you the very abridged version of his background. Bottom line, Dr. Mark knows his stuff, and I'm excited to spend some time again with him today. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Mark. Hey, Brian. Thank you for those nice accolades. Now, unfortunately, I have to, uh, I have to live up to them. Well, I mean, you've, you've been in the business long enough. It's an experience. So just before we started, we talked about, um, you know, which, which baseball team that we both um, uh, followed. And thank, I want to let you know that and I tell my clients, if you start with me and you're a Red Sox fan, your fee automatically doubles. Okay. And don't be surprised if I don't pick up the phone often. Okay. Because us Yankee fans, you know what we think of the Red Sox. Oh, of course. If it, if there's a Red Sox fan on my Little League team, I make them bat last. <laughs> uh, you're, you're kinder than I am. It's just it's just the way it is. You know, it's just, uh, I, don't, I don't know. So that's just the way life goes. But um, we're talking today about documentation. Correct. What do you want me to delve into first? Well, it's a big, it's a, obviously a large part of the business when it comes to a chiropractor. We're a volume-based business, as most people are, and we have to make sure we're doing compliant documentation, but the, that we're fast about it. So the first thing I, I hear from my cash practices or when I'm t- working with cash practices, I'm sure you do as well, is can I do a shorter report? Do I need less detail in there for my cash patients? Okay, so I'm going to give you a, a broad stroke on this and a couple of stories to help underscore the reality. It is a rookie mistake that is the shortest road to hell, and I mean hell, to think that you have different standards for different financial classes. You have one standard of documentation. And if you don't believe me, just ask your licensure board. I've gotten many, many phone calls, and one just sticks out in my head, and it was a a very good friend of mine, called me up and said, you know, um, I had all these cash patients and I did this level of documentation, but for Blue Cross Blue Shield, I did that level of documentation. Now I'm getting called in by the licensure board because Blue Cross made a complaint. Uh, the patient made a complaint and on and on and on. And I'm a healer. I could just put what I want. I don't have to do too much, especially the cash and Blue Cross was complaining. And, and the reason being is because the patient no longer had benefits, then they turned to cash. He did a different level of documentation. Blue Cross subpoenaed the records. Now they got the Blue Cross records and the cash records. And it was two standards of documentation. Turned them into the licensure board, and the guy had to dance the dance and not the happy one. And he was and he was actually cited uh, by the licensure board for misconduct. And I could go on and on and on and on. You have one standard, folks. It's the same thing. Are you going to build a 99202? And right now it's based upon time and elements and levels of complication. A 99203, you have to meet those levels based upon what those levels are and bill for it. Now, it's very important that you understand what those levels are. And when I, and I've talked about this in a previous podcast, when I onboard a client, the very first thing I do 
is I say, send me all of your intake forms, your last new patient, your E&M evaluation, including the intake, which is your evaluation and management, 99202, 203, 204, 205, and your first soap note. And I want to see what you're doing. And they say, well, do you want a PI case? I said, it doesn't matter. I want to see your last one because I will know if you have compliance issues. Now, I happen to have a relationship with the attorneys for various different insurance companies, both personal injury and non-personal injury. And I know what they're looking for. They look for things like predetermined treatment plans. They look for things like cutting corners. The last one was a lawsuit from Blue Cross Blue Shield against a doctor. They invoked the RICO case. And RICO is under the Organized Racketeering Act, which means use a paper instrument to defraud a financial institution, meaning your your uh, your E&M notes, your soap notes to defraud uh, the insurance company, which is a financial institution, in a systematized manner. So what this doctor did was, is the doctor um, cut every corner, but he billed for a 99203, cut every corner. So the carrier said, I'm subpoenaing your last 50 records. Is there a pattern? So again, it doesn't matter if it's personal injury, it's managed care. Cash is even worse in getting in trouble because if you get in trouble with an insurance company, a patient who has insurance, who do they complain to? They complain to the insurance company. But when you have a patient that has no insurance and only cash, the only people they can complain to is your state licensure board. And they complain vociferously because you're taking money out of their pocket, not the insurance company's pocket, and they get angrier. And the, and the state licensure boards are so grossly understaffed that if they get their hooks into you, they've got to make an example out of you. So the bottom line is there is one standard of documentation depending upon the level of evaluation you're doing, and you've got to understand what elements are required for that element. So when we start a client and on our consulting side, there is actually a whole section dedicated to documentation. And it's called Documentation Made Easy. Now, I do have to tell you that if you follow the Cairo Touch bouncing ball, and I mean that sincerely, when you follow what's supposed to be done, past medical history, review of systems, it's, it's all in there, you'll be fine. And most people get in trouble when you start cutting corners. Follow the bouncing ball. It's there for you to use. And if you have the, the, uh, the Bullet Touch program, which is partially a macro set amongst other things in there that I help them. By the way, I, they don't pay me. And I say things they don't like sometimes, don't really care. But the reality is, is that if you use what's there, the system, and I've said this before, the, the algorithm, which means computer program, will protect you from you. And I've seen a myriad of other systems. I've seen every system in our industry. Because I do compliance reviews with every doctor I onboard. And, um, you know, as much as you might complain about ChiroTouch, you have what yours is, is light years ahead of just about every other program I've seen in the industry, if used properly. And all that matters is how to push the buttons. And once you're comfortable, it's just easy. That's a detail that we're looking for, right? I mean, it's, it's, I love the, the anecdotal, you know, reference to other providers that say, hey, I'm not just saying yes you have to do more detail for cash patients. I'm telling you what has happened in the real world. So yes, don't be lazy. Use the program, document appropriately, 
so you don't have that legal exposure. Here's the other issue with legal exposure. And this I've seen on the personal injury side, soon to trickle down to the managed care side. It's called predetermined treatment plans. And the carrier, the carriers for the past few years, you know, in, 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 in war, they come up with names for um, uh, campaigns. Like D-Day was the, the attack on Normandy. They come up with names. The carrier has a name called Fraud for Profit. And what they've done is they've come up with a profit center and, they're, and they, they're, they're charging fraud. So what they're saying is, is if you have a predetermined treatment plan, that's fraud. So what they'll do is they'll, doc, they'll, get a, they'll put their computers to work and they'll crunch out statistics that 96% of your patients get x-rays. 97% of your patients uh, have the same diagnoses. 94% and, and that's a predetermined treatment plan. Now, that is true if you don't have the appropriate documentation behind it. Also, if you follow some of the gurus in the uh, self-proclaimed gurus in, in the personal injury world who are trying to sell you programs, they'll tell you, you need to do 20 or 30 or 40 diagnoses on every patient. Well, guess what? The purpose of that is to bilk more money out of the insurance company on a, on a uh, on a predetermined plan, you will win. And then you'll give it all back threefold in a RICO case. You've got to be real careful. So, I mean, it's just unusual. Try to stay, if you can, as a rule within the HICFA 12. And if you need to do more occasionally, that's fine. But if you're just doing that because it, 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 was, it was sold to you by a plan on this, on this program you're buying because you're going to get all these PI cases and make more money, you, what you want to do is you want to try to get that person who told you to do that to personally indemnify you for any and all retribution, which they'll never do, because you've got to be careful. You're going to be in the crosshairs. So that's the type of legal exposure you have to be careful of. And I am the most aggressive, conservative person you will ever meet. When it comes to compliance, I am ultra, ultra conservative. It's got to be on firm ground. And listen, you know, we talked, um, I don't know if it was in this program or last, but I presented to over 350,000 lawyers in 39 states, including many, many inside the insurance industry. So as a result of that, I get to see what they're going after. I know what's happening before they do it because I talk to them. They tell me what's going on. And we get to look at trends and we get to look at actual things occurring in the courts or what's going to occur to keep you ahead of the curve. And it's conservative, conservative, conservative. If you're doing something that's a by report code, be careful. Be careful if you're taking, if you're billing insurance companies for it. And if you're doing something a by report code, and even if you're taking their money on lien and not billing them directly, you're still taking their money. So be careful, be careful, be careful. As we, you know, we, we start getting deeper into documentation, then what's important there then within a soap note, like a general everyday visit where we're seeing patients, you know, multiple times. So what, what are the important components there in, in what you consider an important component in a soap note? Everybody get a pencil and paper out. I'm about to tell you something very short you have to write down, which will protect you. Okay. And then I'll give you a little anecdote about what happened to someone who chose not to listen. For every area you touch, write this down. For every area you touch, you need a symptom, a clinical finding, and a diagnosis. 
documented on every visit. You don't need anything else. For every area you touch, you need a symptom, a clinical finding, and a diagnosis. There was a young man in Gloucester, Massachusetts about 10 years ago, maybe seven years, about 10 years ago. Um, and Encompass Insurance, which is a subsidiary of Allstate, sued him under RICO, under the Federal Racketeering Act, um, for uh, billing fraudulently on a systematized manner. You see, he was, he, patients came in and he would diagnose cervical, cervical and lumbar, lumbar, and rarely if ever diagnosed thoracic because people don't complain about that. So what they did was, is they did a, 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 a computer program, they ran a spreadsheet on him, and they found he had 72 cases in Encompass. In 72 cases, 70 of them he adjusted and documented that he adjusted thoracic and billed for that extra region without diagnosing thoracic or uh, having a symptom for it. But he said, I'm a full spine adjuster, and it's part of the spine, and it needs to be corrected, and I'm a healer. So they, the attorney retained me to do a forensic analysis. Now, I get $2,500 a case, a chart, for forensic analysis. It takes me two full days of work to do one chart in a forensic analysis. After 10 charts, I said to the attorney, settle. There is a pattern of fraud because he did not document a symptom and a diagnosis for the region he touched. Yeah, he took an x-ray of it and he sees rotation and there is motion palpation and on and on and on, but he did not diagnose a symptom or a diagnosis. So therefore, it constitutes insurance fraud. And I said, settle. Now, he had seven, 72 cases and out of those 72 cases, he uh, collected $550,000. That was over seven years. That's less than one case a month. Not a whole lot. Less than one case a month. So he said, I'm a healer. I did the work. I'm not giving it back. You know what the guy hears every morning now? Attention Walmart shoppers. He lost. And, and I'm not being sarcastic. He lost the case, 550 plus treble damages, which is three to one in Rico. He got a judgment against him for $1.65 million. His legal fees were over $300,000. And he went bankrupt, but he still has to pay them back because he has a federal judgment against them. And they garnish his entire life until that's paid back. Didn't listen. So you've got to understand. Now, again, let's talk about thoracic spine. Now, I teach in three chiropractic colleges and two medical schools at various levels. And one of the things we talk about is eliciting. So a lot of us, like myself, are a full spine adjuster. Someone will complain of a cervical problem, a lumbar problem. So I'll take my hand and run it down the spine. I've never had an area that needed to be adjusted where there were not taut and tender fibers. So, oh, Mrs. Jones, is this tender T6 on the right? Yes. So I would diagnose or, or a symptom, elicited symptom T6 on the right. Pain scale, 2 out of 10 on a pain scale of 0 out of 10. Okay? That's number one. And then my diagnosis is myofasciitis in the thoracic spine. And I document it. Now I have a symptom, a clinical finding, which is almost identical, and the diagnosis for that area I adjusted. So you've got to be careful for every area you touch. Let me say it again. This is a non-negotiable mark rule to keep you out of the crosshairs. For every area you touch, you need a symptom, a clinical finding, and a diagnosis. 
for every area you touch, and it must be documented on every soap note. Please don't repeat for me on your soap notes uh, past medical history or review of systems. I've seen all this crap, okay? Now, symptom, clinical finding, diagnosis. Anything else you want to put, you're more than welcome. It's fluff. It's not necessary. Those are E&M e issues. So you want to cull it down to just those things, and that will protect you from any issues. That, that's the education that we need here in, in, in the industry and very easy to do in ChiroTouch with the Bullet Touch macros. Again, when you say those things, people think that they roll their eyes and they think, oh, that's just more to work for me, right? I, oh, I have to do that. Yeah, but you're protecting yourself and you're doing it with one or two clicks. It's taking you five seconds to protect yourself against possible bankruptcy, right? As you spoke about. So being able to use a system and document appropriately protects you. That's why it's important. I want to shift gears to imaging. Um, do I need to order MRIs for non-personal injury cases? I know you spoke before. We spoke in, in a previous podcast about MRIs and personal injury. So I want you to focus more here on MRIs for personal injury and non-personal injury cases, please. If you're ordering MRIs for just PI cases, be prepared to lose your license. Simple. Because are you pandering to the plaintiff's attorney to make the case? Do you order an MRI of every PI case? Listen, that's absurd. You treat the patient. I don't care if it's a personal injury, non-personal injury. It doesn't matter. If there's a significant radiculopathic or myelopathic component, regardless of the ideology, um, you should consider an MRI because x-ray is not going to show you that space-occupying lesion. You have to know, is there a herniated disc? Is it a, is it a protrusion? Is it an extrusion? Is it a fragmentation? Do you have a tumor? Is it epidural? Uh, is it is it intradural? Do you, have a, do you have a varix? And you have to know what varices are. Is there cordedema or a myelopathy or a myelomalacia actually? Um, you have to know all of these things, and you got to kind of know what those things mean as well. Remember, when you went to school, you were given the minimal amount of knowledge to, to graduate and pass your licensure boards. After that, it's on you. So if you don't know all of those things I just shared with you, go learn. Go learn. You need to know when you need to take an MRI. If a patient has radiating pain down a limb, if it's lancinating, electric, if when you do a compression, the patient patient gets worse, you need to consider those things. All of those things are critically important, and I don't care whether they're a PI case or not. None of it should matter. That's what you do with the patient. And don't be delivering a high-velocity thrust into a patient where you don't know what's going on. Get that MRI ordered. You know, for me, I usually... And this is an unofficial statistic. I've not done a full research program on it. But about 3% of your patients should be getting MRIs. That's an unofficial number. Three out of 100. If you have a pure PI practice, the number goes up to 80, 85%. When I had a family practice and I had very few PI cases, not a whole lot. But when I had a PI practice, a lot. Because my, my car accident cases, a lot of them had radiating pain. That's what we need. So... There's your answer. MRI is a tool, and if you don't use it, you can hurt your patient. If you don't know, you don't guess. And that is a hard, hard rule. And again, 
document the rationale and findings, correct? Well, you always have to document why why are you ordering the MRI, and then you have to document how it changed your treatment plan. That's critical. Those are two things that will get you out of trouble and fall out of the predetermined um, treatment plan scenario that the carriers are looking to uh, take you to task with. How does it change your treatment plan? It might be considering a neurosurgical consultation. I'm not adjusting this area. Or it might say it confirmed that there is a space occupying lesion, but there is no necessity for referral because there's enough room around the quarter root that it wouldn't create damage. So you need to document all of those things. And that's critical. And it can be done in macros. And a lot of the, a lot of those macros are already done for you in the bullet touch PI side. Yeah, and just drop it into your documentation. Just go on with your day. But use it to protect yourself no matter what. And let's let's recap here. We want to elicit for our, our listeners is the need to document every case and not differentiate whether it's cash, personal injury, workers' comp, Medicare. You you need full documentation. And I think you did a wonderful job kind of hitting that hitting that point on the head um, so that we understand as a as a practitioner, don't don't deviate, don't be lazy, put as much detail in there as you can. So lastly, for our listeners that um, haven't heard you before, can you go into some information about how they can get in touch with you, get more information about what you guys teach uh, for the Academy of Chiropractic? What we do in the Academy of Chiropractic, it's easy. Um, we, we have a full online university and our courses are, I think, the best in the industry. Uh, uh, our professors, are, it's always with a chiropractor, but we might have a Harvard-trained neuroradiologist, an Albert Einstein College-trained uh, vascular neurologist. Um, um, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. It's just great academics. Um, so go to teachdoctors.com for academics. You want to get on the consulting side. If you want to learn how to get your referral sources to run after you, um, and I like personal injury, I love trauma care, and I like getting paid more than less, um, go to teachchiros, C-H-I-R-O-S.com. So it's either teachdoctors.com, teachchiros.com. You can go to the academy of chiropractic.com. You see all our awards pages where people have earned um, a fellowship or, or qualifications, and um, you can earn those as well. Or call me. My phone number is 631-786-4253. That's 631-786-4253. Um, and uh, call me about anything. I'd love to just chat. I love talking about this stuff. I'll chat with you about anything at any time. I truly appreciate it. You, you do a great job for our industry. So thank you again for taking the time. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. It's been eye-opening, I think, for a lot of practitioners. Also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to catch up with ChiroTouch. If it wasn't for you, then we wouldn't have a reason to be putting out all this content. So thank you. You can find more Catch Up With ChiroTouch episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and ChiroTouch.com slash podcast. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Brian Blask, and I wish everyone listening a well-adjusted day. <laughs>